today's uh, message of navigating forward part 12 the final one this is the finale so I'm hoping that uh, this content will be encouraging to you um, it, it's a it's a big big deal we ended last week with some uh, discussion on identity and so I want to uh, begin with a couple of memes that I found that uh, just to get things started here uh, but we're going to start with this idea of, again, we've been going through a bunch of topics. And I'll wrap them up to the, at the very end real quick of what all five themes were. But today it's on identity. So what about learning our identity? How can we be reminded of our identity? And there, there are many definitions of identity. There, there is, in fact, um, um, there's our true spirit, who we really are at the core. That's what I'm talking about. And then I know Ralph Harris wrote a book called God's Astounding Opinion of You. And he talks about our residential identity, which is not our true identity. But many of us actually live out of our residential identity. Like from our jobs, we get our identity. From, from being a parent, sometimes that is our identity. Um, from our accolades, from our... Uh, reputation, you name it, uh, from our, our popularity of being in a sport. Maybe you're better than everyone at your school and that becomes your identity, your so-and-so. But those are not your identity. For what happens if those things are stripped away and suddenly are gone, what are you left with? Well, you're left with your true identity, but if you don't know that, it can seem uh, like you're going to head into a tailspin. This is really cool. Mental uh, self-care tip. This is from Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you try to find yourself holding back or constantly influenced by what people think of you, then you need to make a decision right now to stop basing your worth off others. You need to find your worth intrinsically. And you can start by finding a few points or sentences that make up your unique philosophy or identity. Use this as an anchor as you continue to define and refine who you are, which is a never-ending process. Now, this is like a baby step towards uh, core identity, spirit, nature. And so uh, she's got some great stuff. And this is this was a this clicked because <clears throat> a lot of people. Uh, get their value and identity from others, others' opinions. So if people keep saying you're great at this, great at that. By the way, this is also messing up our society. When we have a, a society where um, everybody has to be told they're excellent and constantly this, and there's no room for failing, nobody fails a, a grade or a test, um, there's there's a conflict i don't i can't put into words what that conflict is but there's something wrong with that because we're sending false messages but we're also identifying behavior as the core identity or results of your uh, performance and that's not what your identity is your identity is not how you perform henry nowen wrote this in fact after last sunday's message uh, this came up i was like what good timing so the five lies about identity I am what I have, so sometimes our belongings can shape our identity that we're either wealthy or not wealthy. So if you feel really rich and you've got everything, then your your identity is captured in your stuff and you want people to respect you for your stuff. If you have nothing, then you expect, sometimes people expect you to look, have people look down on you when you got nothing. That That's not it at all. This is It's crazy, but uh, uh, the lie is I am what I have. Uh, the lie is I am what I do. What you do, your behavior, your job, your role is not your identity. 
Uh, another lie is I am what other people say or think of me. And this is where people get wrapped up real tight in. I'm, I'm one of them. Like this is one of my propensities. I, I have a, a leaning towards overthinking or um, thinking what others think too much. And some people, you may say I, you don't, but you do. Many, many people do because you get enough negative voices saying you're no good, you're no good. You're, you're going to run from that and, and think you're no good. So it does. You got to listen to the, uh, you know, let me say that again. You have to take stock and revisit how you handle those voices from others and uh, uh, what other people's opinions are. Do you do things just to try and keep a good opinion with others? Like that, that's not your identity. Another lie is I am nothing more than my worst moment. Yeah, that people can get to that point where uh, you just feel like you're absolutely worthless, no good. Um, you have no value. And it's a downward spiral. It's very dangerous. And lastly, another lie, I am nothing less than my best moment. Huh. Do you see how twisted this is? So we want to get into what your true identity is. Last week, we talked about five key things, fourth key thing, sorry. Uh, one, Christ lives in you. This is your identity, all right, the, your union. Christ holds all things together, the universe, uh, the table, this computer, you, me, uh, everything. Everything's held together by Christ. So that's, that's incredibly important. Uh, you are in Christ. So we said Christ lives in you up on, on uh, this point here. Christ lives in you, and then here we got you are in Christ. Both are true. So this is this is who you are, and you have been reconciled. That was last week's. So we're going to get into forgiveness today, because I think if you saw that last slide I accidentally put up last week, it was on forgiveness. This is a huge, huge issue, okay? In the in the Western church, uh, in for people who don't, well, they see, they hear about this God that is angry with them and they have to come to him for forgiveness. And so how you do that, you show up at a church and you confess. Uh, you go to a priest and you confess. You go to whatever, you have to do your, your penance, whatever it is. All those things in order to get forgiveness are incomplete. Every one of them. I'm going to show you, like, look these up yourself. If you're, if you're going to say, that's not true, how can you knock that stuff? I'm not knocking anything. I'm going to show you scriptures, verses that show you you are already forgiven. Past tense. No more begging for something you already have. Once you realize you are forgiven, it affects your identity and how you perceive yourself. Because if you don't see yourself as forgiven, you're not seeing your true identity. But when you realize you are already forgiven, you are already right with God, that reveals, exposes your identity, okay? And then you begin to live out of that instead of out of the false identity, the, the ego, okay? Like, this is huge. So Ephesians 1.7, I'm going to do this in rapid fire. I got a lot to cover quickly. So sorry if I go fast, but that's what rewind is for later. Uh, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Is that future tense, current tense, or past tense? That's past tense. It's a done deal, okay? Uh, you have been forgiven. In Colossians 2, 13 to 14, it says this. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him. And he forgave us all our trespasses. How many? 
some, all, all of our trespasses. And here it is, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. How many times do we hear an accusing voice? You're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Or uh, you, you, you'll never measure up. Or you hear, you're not really forgiven. Um, I grew up uh, praying for forgiveness over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I, I sort of believe God forgave me, but wasn't quite sure. So I better ask again, just in case. You know, better, you know, too many times can't be wrong, can it? Yeah, it can, because you're feeding a lie. You're feeding a, a falsehood, something that is just not true. Well, then how are we to pray? Well, I, I, I pray, dear God, thank you for my forgiveness. I confess. I agree with God. That's what confession is, agreeing with the word of God, Jesus, not the Bible. The Bible is a great book. And it is one I love and we study. And it is inspired by God uh, through, the, through the intent he, that of what he wants to reach into our hearts. We can get that out of there. But Jesus is the word of God. And he says we're forgiven. All right? Believe it. So he's erased the record that stood out against us. So with all these voices of uh, accusations, the record, right? Like if you go to court, um, uh, it, you have a prosecuting person accusing you and making a list of all the things against you. Well, forgiveness is kind of like that. You you are forgiven. You can. I had my list of things that I felt bad for for a long time, and it wasn't until oh, just over 20 years ago. And I've been a pastor for 30 years. Maybe it was 23 years ago, but I think seven or seven or eight years into ministry, it was my first senior pastor role. A couple of years in. I read a book called Classic Christianity by Bob George. And this, this is just the beginning. And it showed me, and then it led me to a whole bunch of other books. It showed me I was already forgiven. I'd never been told that. I'd never been told I was. So I'm showing you some stuff. Look it up yourself. It is there, okay? There's more. Uh, you have been forgiven. Second Peter 1, 8 and 9. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. But, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Yeah, but it says old sins. What about new ones? Yes, it's all the same. Okay, and wait a minute. Uh, when did this happen? Two thousand years ago, and covered everything ahead. You're, you're. This is two thousand years later. Of course, it's now. You are at a place of absolute forgiveness. What's hard is some people will immediately think, honestly, this this will happen. Well, then I can go do whatever I want. Well, the answer is yes. You you can. But my question will be, what do you want? As in you, who is the real you? Is it the ego? Is it the false identity? Is it the residential identity? Or is it your union with Christ? What do you want to do? That's a great question. We've got to think this through. If you've never thought this through, hey, if you're upset with me because... I'm telling you, this is a done deal. And you've grown up believing, no, 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 no. It's not what I heard. I don't care what you've heard. Have you ever thought further than what you've heard? Have you studied further? If you have not, then you have nothing to say. You're only regurgitating somebody else's meal. 
And that's gross. You've been forgiven. 1 John 2.12 I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. So if we've talked about this uh, text before. I speak to you children. I speak to you young adults. I speak to you adults. The child level, the child level is declaring you need to know you're forgiven. Some of us think we're really mature believers. We've gone to church for 40 years, um, but never believed we really are forgiven. Guess what? Maybe you're still in the child level in this area. It's a really good, actually, you are. I'm telling you, you are. <laughs> no adult union person in Christ um, uh, can't grow into full maturity without realizing they have been fully forgiven. It just, it, and if, if you have grown in other areas, great. This one is about time, okay? This is now. Uh, you've been forgiven. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. <coughs> Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Yes is the answer. That's not in the Bible, but another translation I'll read in a second. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another. And New American Standard Bible says, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you, go forgive others. It means you have been forgiven. Therefore, we forgive. Yeah, well, well, I, I can't forgive others. Well, you know what? Let God work on that, okay? How about you believe you are forgiven first? Yeah, you. How about learn to receive? Believe the forgiveness that is yours and start to live from it. God will transform your heart. And I'm going to just give the shortcut or short blurb on, on for, for those who are having a hard time forgiving. I, I know of a, a woman who just died who um, she I did not have a chance to talk to her about the uh, journey of forgiveness. I, I, I wanted to, but she died too quick. I didn't see that coming. And she had a lot of difficulty um, and would not forgive certain people. Because she thought she it meant it, it would mean just to let it go or um, write it off as if it was okay, um, which is not what forgiveness is about. The short answer for forgiveness is it's between you and your Heavenly Father. You forgive for your sake. Jesus forgave you. Jesus forgave you fully. Therefore, you are now a forgiving person. It is in your true identity to forgive. When you do, it reflects who you really are. When you don't forgive, it reflects you're living out of ego, out of flesh, out of a, a false identity. So maybe, maybe those that are having a hard time with this realize this. There are some misconceptions about forgiveness you must understand go to my youtube channel and type in the forgiveness and i've got a, a i think a 13 or 15 or 18 part series there on forgiveness and the, to me the most exciting part was the the section on what forgiveness is not and when we unpack those misconceptions suddenly we realize i actually can forgive it doesn't mean i have to have a relationship with that person again that's not what forgiveness means all right this is about you on that journey like this this i better not 
go any further because this I unpack all that in that series. It is phenomenal. So please, your identity, your true identity is forgiven. Therefore, because you are one with Christ, you are now a forgiver. That's right. It's in your nature to forgive. Some people don't want to hear that. I, 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 can, I know it. <laughs> Sorry. Here's another piece of good news. You are alive with Christ. All right, this is your identity. Ephesians 2:5. Even when you were dead in your transgression, in our sorry, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. So dead in our transgressions. Now, that does not mean spirit was dead. I thought for a long time that my spirit was dead and it all happened because of Adam. But nowhere does scripture say your spirit was dead. Nowhere doesn't happen but we're dead in our sins dead in our transgressions dead in our mind dead in our darkness okay blind which is the equivalent to dead okay not dead dead like princess bride well mostly dead <laughs> you know you know nothing like that at all this is this is darkening of your mind dead all right <laughs> uh, rabbit trail but this this is it you are alive with christ when we were blind, it happened when we didn't even know uh, uh, that God loved us. It all happened before uh, we had a chance to give God permission. <laughs> Imagine that. You're a work of art, not a piece of work. This is important. Many people beat themselves up thinking they're not good enough. They can't live, live up to mom and dad's expectations. To their, uh, I'm talking not just children to the parents, but young adults and their parents. You name it. And parents to their, to their parents who are now grandparents. All, all the levels, okay? There is a, there's a weird trying to live up to certain expectations that creeps into our ego. And it's not who we are. You are a work of art created by Christ. You're beautiful. Okay. Some people say, well, I'm all cracked up. I got so many broken pieces. Listen, those broken pieces don't define you. And those broken pieces, listen, they're being held together by Christ. There's nothing absent from Christ. Whatever situations are brought about, let's say broken pieces, whatever you title that as, Christ was there with you. You were never alone in it, ever. You may have felt alone, but that's okay. You weren't. That's the fact. I'm giving objective truth here that this anointed one is one with you. We have become his poetry. I think, I think this is the um, uh, Passion Translation. The word poetry is beautiful, work of art. You, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given each of us. For we are joined to Christ. To Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Wow. Like, okay, that's a whole sermon in and of itself. I, I better not go on that one. Yikes. So anyway, this is about your identity. You're a work of art. Um, the Trinity. You got to know this. The Trinity is actively at work in you. You're not absent from, from God in any way. Separation is a lie. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Isn't that cool? Absolutely. God is working in you. No, He's not. Yes, He is. Listen, you can't outsmart God. You can't outthink God. You can't out... Um, 
uh, imagine, all right? None of us are going to arrive on the other side of this veil, whatever this is. Some people call it heaven, whatever it is. We're going to arrive. We're not going to look at God and go, ugh, I overestimated you. <laughs> we're not going to do that, okay? So there's so much more we don't know. And God is at work in us, revealing, first of all, Christ in us and Christ in others. Oh, yeah. You are the expression of divine life, okay? So when we see, when people look at you, they see divine life. When you look at others, you're seeing divine life. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Listen, this flies in the face of this concept that we must ask God to come into our lives or we must make Jesus Lord of our lives. That is baloney. You can't make Jesus Lord of your life. That means you're Lord first, which is impossible. Think of how arrogant that sounds to say, I made Jesus Lord of my life. Well, who are you to do that? How much power do you have to do that? He is Lord, period. Okay? You can't make Jesus Lord. You can't invite Jesus into your heart. He's already there holding you together. What you're doing is you're actually praying an acknowledgement. Father, what? I didn't know you were already in me. The awakening comes from within, not from out. You're an expression of divine life because you're spirit. You're one with Jesus. This is huge. Most Christians don't know this. The series is just like that. Most Christians don't know half the stuff I've been covering in this series. And some of us who are rehearing this, we're being reminded. I'm being reminded of it as I'm teaching and preparing. It just took 12 weeks to get through this. I just didn't expect that. Did you know you're holy? You are holy. You need to know that. I thought I had to become holy. I read books on how to be holy, the pursuit of holiness. Uh, I, I read all those things, trying to become somebody I already was. And I didn't know it. Mind you, that was, that was my upbringing. That was the group of people, uh, church denomination, whatever you want to call it, that I was a part of that led me to believe that. That was the culture of what I grew up in. But I didn't know I was already holy, and so are you, fully set apart. And to be transformed, Ephesians 4.24, as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Is Jesus holy? Yes, Look what we just read. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him. And we're in union. Live in union. Whatever Jesus is, you are. As in, you are holy. You are right. You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Some people have overrun the base. I've been hearing a lot about that. Don't do that. You're not Jesus. Okay? You're one with him. Um, just be aware of that. Okay? This, this, it's a lie to think we're separate or independent of, uh, in any kind of way. You're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, So from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances, for that's how we once viewed the anointed one. They no longer, uh, we, but no longer do we see 
him with limited insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, if anyone's in Christ, he's become an entirely new person. And that is related to the old order. The, uh, oh, all that is related to the old, old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new. All things, not just some things, all things, all things new. And reconciled us to himself and given us this ministry of reconciling others to God. This, this is a really loaded verse. Didn't realize it was that loaded until I... Reading it to you now. I was, I was going for the new creation because <laughs> we are. We're, we're a completely new creation in Christ. All right? You're not bad. There aren't two of you in you. There isn't an old bad nature and a good uh, uh, or a new. And uh, there aren't two natures in you. It's impossible. There, you, you're singular nature. You're, you're a spirit that is one in union with Christ. This is your identity. Your identity is rooted in your oneness or union with the Trinity. You are not a sinner. Please, we've got to stop saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We need to stop that rhetoric for it feeds a false identity. Because many people get their identity from their behavior. And if you're going to say yourself, say you're a sinner, you're going to say, well, yeah, but I do bad things. Well, does doing bad things make you a sinner? No, you are a saint who sometimes sins. And what does sin mean? That's another one to unpack. You know, missing the mark. Oh, my goodness. If you're not seeing yourself as God sees you, that's sin. The behaviors would just come out of the reflection of what you believe. That's it. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. So important to see that. And now, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that alone. Yeah. Saint. You're a saint. And you don't need a guy in a tall hat to tell you you're a saint. Okay? Jesus made you a saint because you were one with him. Okay? You're holy. So who are you? Let's watch this next little clip. I think you'll enjoy this. Who are you? What is your identity? And what voices are you listening to? Let me explain. Do you ever find yourself saying, Ah, you are such a loser. You're a fraud, a, a failure. You don't have what it takes, you're just too stupid. Or you might look in the mirror and say, Wow, I am such an ugly person. Let me ask you, do you think that that's the voice of the Almighty God that you're hearing? Or is it the voice of someone else? Now I want you to listen closely to what the Word of God says about the core of who you are. Your identity. Now the Bible says you belong to the King. You are a child of the King. You are a disciple of the King. It says you may approach the King with freedom and confidence. You have direct access to the throne of the King. In fact, it says you are seated with Him in the heavenly realm. That you are made righteous by the King. That you are loved by the King. Do you understand that? 
that the sovereign king accepts you. He has befriended you. He has chosen you. He has completed you. Nothing you can think of can define his infinite love for you. You are adopted as his child. It says that you are united with him, that you will spend eternity in his presence. Do you realize the fullness of what that means? You have been given everything you need for life and for godliness. You are a citizen of his kingdom. You are healed by him. You are hidden in him. You are defended by him. You are guided in him. You are one with his spirit. And listen to this. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Do you understand that? Nothing can separate you from him. Nothing. And that's not all. Oh, it goes on and on and on and on. You are established. You are anointed. You are his workmanship. You are sealed through him. You are saved by him. You are sanctified. You are justified. You have been redeemed by the king. He has cleansed you. He has bought you. You can't be forgiven of sin without him. And you can't be freed from condemnation outside of him. You were buried and baptized into his death. And you were raised with him into new life. His death is your death. His life is your life. You are made alive by the king. So listen. Don't cheat us of your contribution by living a life based on an unhealthy self-perspective. Give us what you've got. Give us the new creation that you are. You are a new creation in Christ. A new creation. Who are you? Do you know? <laughs> That's a good question. I hope you liked that clip. All right. Wrapping this up. Let's talk about the one who holds this high opinion of us. It is God, the Trinity, fully seeing us as included, fully seeing us as one with him. God is love. We've talked about this before. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love does not know God for God is love. This is the one who declares your identity to you, okay? Let, let's go with, with God's opinion. I think that's a much better, uh, better credentials anyway. God is light who shines that light in us. This message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Yeah, none. And you're in God. Huh, imagine that. God is just like Jesus. John 10, 30, the Father and I are one. This morning, I read this uh, thing from Bill Thrasher. He uh, posted this. I'm just going to read it for you. I posted it on my personal page. He said, God is exactly like Jesus. This is a radical idea. This is an unacceptable idea to most people. So they morph and contort Jesus to be made like the God of the ancient Jewish scriptures. They twist the good news of Jesus to make it fit into their biblical presuppositions of what God should look like. Instead, we should teach people to focus solely on Jesus long before they learn the nuances of the canonized Bible. Only then can they realize that the Bible is pointing to Jesus and not the other way around. 
Jesus does not ever point to the Bible, the scriptures, for answers on God. He only points to himself and his gracious path towards Golgotha. Once this switch finally flips, then hold on. It's going to be a heck of a ride. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. I love that. God is just like Jesus. There's, there's no difference between them. But, but what about this? What about that? Well, I'm showing you whatabouts. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you to him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak are not my own, but the Father who gives, who lives in me does his work through me. There's a union here that's being expressed. And we got to remember that. Jesus was not abandoned at the cross. We'll probably talk about that in a couple of weeks. Oh my goodness. And lastly, or close to last, God is just like Jesus. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. That And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. There's a lot of in here. Okay, reread that later. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them. You are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Holy smokes. God loves you. If you if you didn't catch that, if you're wondering how does God view me, he loves you. Oh my goodness. That was cool. Oh, St. Patrick. This is a, a tremendous identity uh, writing. Let me just read this to you. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. Wow. Do you know your identity? You better. <laughs> I've given you lots of great content that should get you encouraged. We began the year with... These five things, we walked through these five things since January, navigating forward, the foundations that help shape decisions. If you're wondering about your future, what to do, decisions, these are some important things to ponder before you jump into any big decision. Your attitude of gratitude, it begins with contentment. Do you, do you, are you upset or trying to make changes because you're not content? Uh, learn from those who've gone before you. You don't know it all. None of us do. Have eyes to see. Maybe ask God to open your eyes to see something you're not quite seeing. Resolve in advance. What, what do you believe in advance? What are the core things you totally believe and agree with? A buddy of mine once said when he was going through a really tough time, he said, I don't know what I believe anymore, but I believe Jesus. Just Jesus. That's it. That's a great foundation. And do not forget who you are. Identity. All right? This is, this is huge. I, I, I hope this has been a big encouragement to you, a big help. Um, it sure uh, reminded me I needed this. I need to be reminded of that. And I know others have too. And that's why we do this together. So if this was encouraging, forward this to someone else. Share it. Don't forget to hit the like button, all that stuff. I, I forgot to tell you guys that regularly, but apparently it matters for algorithms online. Who knows? I don't get that stuff. 
But if you are encouraged, yay. That's it. Made my day right there. So even just one. Um, love you guys. I'm thrilled to be connected to Hope Fellowship. Next week, we're going to dig into... Um, um, it's the uh, Palm Sunday. That's right.